0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Training, an official Hibernian FC podcast, which is brought to you by our partners, Bartercard, where we really try and get inside the minds of key people at the Hibernian Training Centre. And in this, our first episode of 2023, I'm delighted to be joined by our under 18 coach, Gareth Evans. Gareth played an integral role in our youngsters UEFA Youth League campaign, but he'll also in this give us a greater understanding and insight into youth development at the football club. Um, So Gareth, thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's hard to say you had a, a glorious playing career, but then after you retired, you went into the coaching game. Work with first team academies, but you always had that passion for for youth development, didn't you? Just where did that where did that come from?
0: Yeah, it it, it, it was great to have a uh, a half decent career, I guess, and and play for the clubs that I did. And it, it was towards the tail end, um, just when I was around about twenty seven, twenty eight, that uh, Alec Miller kind of got me into coaching a little bit and started doing my B license and started on my A license. Uh, and as I went down the leagues, then I didn't really have a. Uh, a permanent thought on going on being a coach, but uh, it started in, you know intriguing me a little bit more and more as I did get older. Um, uh, so uh, it was actually when I went to Allowa, I started playing part-time when I was 33, that uh, a great man called Terry Christie um, got me into the coaching side of things and started helping him with the, the coaching and uh, the manager of the team at Allowa, and ended up staying there for five or six years with Terry and, and then Natalie Tom Hendry. Uh, and, and those are really good days and taught me a lot about, um, you know, what the coaching was all about and, and what Miser was all about and how kind of the other side of, of being a football player. So those uh, early years were, were, well, you know, was a great learning curve for me just to find out what it was like on the other side of the fence.
1: What was it about working with younger players and trying to help them have, have a career that, that kind of really shone through for you?
0: yeah it's, it it's it's really rewarding um having younger players um and you feel as though you can you can help them and fold them and and and, and put your thoughts on onto them but I think it's having an understanding and it's how you treat the younger players um, um that allows you then to be able to coach them because it's the person first and then it's the football player afterwards always
1: yeah it's funny that they say that because it's probably something that people don't consider further down than a... A first team, there's been a lot in recent years, I would say, about football managers at a first team level having to deal more and be more of a, a man manager, um, but that works all the way down. Obviously, there's players that have all sorts of different upbringings and pressures at home, and for a young player, especially those under 18, it, it can be quite stressful at times. As a as a coach, football, I suppose, is a release for for the young players, but how do you have to take in... Backgrounds, personalities, home life into account when they they come here on an on an evening or a Saturday.
0: Yeah, especially in a a city like Edinburgh as well, where it's so diverse. Uh, and as much as I think it's about twenty five percent of uh, of children in Edinburgh go to private schools, uh, and then you've got areas which aren't aren't so affluent that the the kids maybe aren't happy at school, don't enjoy school, um, and so it's bringing all those kids together and making them happy as one group. Um, to try and get the best out of them all as football players as you can so when everyone comes onto a football pitch there's nobody different to anybody else everybody's trying to impress everybody's trying to enjoy themselves playing football and you've got to make an environment where yes they enjoy themselves and yes they're going to learn uh, some of those players might learn quicker than others some of them might be more educated than others but some of them might be more intelligent on football uh, than others Um, and, and I just find that you know, uh, fascinating to be honest with you uh, and then seeing what comes out at the end of it to see if you can get any of them to become full-time footballers.
1: Yeah, I suppose coaching techniques would be really interesting with working with young players, especially as they go through the age groups.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, you, you know, for me, it's got it's got to be a questioning um, type coaching philosophy when you when they're younger. You know, the you know asking them questions on the pitch all the time, trying to get them to give you the answers rather than you know you telling them all the time. But finding the right time to to educate them and you know having that command style about you as well so it's finding that mix between command and questioning coaching techniques um but th- that's all in the background as you get older it's just something that, that that you do and you don't think about um but um the more that uh i have looked back on it and studied what you have done and what other people do you know the the question type the question and um type of coaching for younger players is, is so so important you know trying to get get them to give you the answers
1: where, I was going to say, where did you learn that? Because like you were quite kind of new on the coaching scene when, when you came into it. Is that something that just comes with experience? You pick up other people or is it through the courses or like books reading? I think it's a bit of everything, um,
0: a bit of reading up on it, um, a bit of uh, uh, doing the courses. But most of all, it's just being out on the pitch and, and, and doing it. Um, and, and as you do get older and become more experienced, then... Um, I think you realise that you've you've done all this in the past, and it's it's just something that comes natural. To be honest with you, and it's
1: something that you don't you don't think about. Yeah, and I can imagine it's quite similar when you're looking to recruit young players as well. You you see kind of scouts from like all different areas and ages looking at under tens all the way up to to see who you can can bring in. How how does that work, and what what do people look for? Well, it's- it's it's a really good question, and
0: um, for me, it's you, you, you're looking for somebody that that can play to start with, that has technique, that has a natural feel for the football, um, that uh, that enjoys playing football, that smiles, um, and as one old manager told me, he was actually the manager at Hearts, a guy called Alan McDonald. He did, I asked him what he looked for when he when he went to watch a player. Uh, and he said, "I never look what a player can do when he's when he's got the ball. I look at what he does when he loses a ball, and if he wants to get it back. And that's something that always stuck with me. So you know, you look at a player's appetite. If he gives a ball away, does he want to get it back right away? And that tells you a lot about a player, even at a younger age. Um, but I think it's just looking at a player to see, you know, if it's something that you can work with. Another one was uh, a guy." called Lillian Turam. I think I remember doing it on my pro licence and I went over to, to Monaco to to look at their youth academy uh, and they said that Lillian, Lillian Turam was a catac- what was it? They said they were technically catastrophic when he was younger <laughs> and I think <laughs> he went on to get over 100 caps for France and made himself a multi-millionaire. So somebody who might be really physical and, and quick that you can turn into a football player. So it's all different sorts that that, that, that can eventually make it as football players.
1: What was that like going to Monaco's academy? Because I can imagine it's quite different to to one here in Scotland. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, it was good. It was uh, a lot more technical. But again, that uh, big ball of fire in the in the sky helped them down there, you know, being out on the pitch for longer rather than the, the wind and the rain that we have here for most of the year. Um, but it, it taught me a little bit more about um, uh, spending a bit more time with players, Uh, technically and being patient whereas sometimes when i was younger i just wanted it to happen straight away and wanted the players to to do to be great another manager made a quote the other week about uh the popcorn quote where some of the players pop earlier than others and some take the time and 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 pop late it's it's absolutely right it is like popcorn some do come out early and develop early and that fully developed player when they're 13 14 Others wait until 16, 17, 18, but how long is the club going to wait for them to do that? So it's all that that comes into the mix that uh, uh, that I find really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about that because you, you see it all the time up here, down south. Like Darren McGregor's a, a really good example and he burst on the professional scene um, really late on. When you're looking at young players, how hard is it to judge when that pop moment is going to be? Uh-huh
0: nigh impossible if I'm being honest yeah um, but we have to make judgments on players and we have to make decisions on players and what we have to be is 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 mindful of their education Uh, the academic education is paramount so we can't be taking players on here if, uh, if we just think they're gonna get get a contract and they're not going to make it as a player so we've got to make sure it's right for them for their families Um for everybody concerned and, th- and those decisions are so hard to make uh, in fact n- nigh on impossible to make but we have to try and make them as best as we can also mindful of the fact that you know we want hips to see academy graduates come through and play in the first team which the club has done very well over the past few years
1: yeah and you mentioned the first team there obviously um, since Lee Johnson came in he's introduced uh, an attacking style of play When does that start to filter down into the academy? And at what age group does that philosophy filter down to help then that transition into the first team?
0: Yeah,
1: um, I think it becomes more apparent as they get
0: older. Um, I think in the younger stages, it's about fun. Um, It's about touches of the ball. It's about enjoying playing football. You know, it's only later on then in the academy at the latter stages where, you know, you're trying to teach them The winning side of things because I think the the players naturally have that will to win anyway, no matter what game they're playing, whether it's their mates up at the Astro after school or whether that's coming on a train even here and playing a bounce
1: game at the end of training that they want to win. Yeah, and they obviously have individual development plans as well, don't they? The young players. Just talk to us a little bit around that and how then or how a success story almost of one of those kind of coming to fruition. Cool, you put me right on the sit <laughs> uh, It's like a job interview. <laughs> uh, you know, it certainly is. Uh, well, I'm trying to
0: think um, of a good example. Um, I think Murray Aiken would be a, a good example. You know, we always spoke to Murray about his uh, his athleticism and his endurance levels and how he could make more forward runs. So we're, we're trying to get Murray Aitken um, to go and run beyond the strikers more often. Um but we can't we, we can't just say that to him. We have to then devise training sessions um, for him to do that. Show him on the analysis, and then rather than a goal all the time, just really do it subconsciously in his mind. So training sessions that we do set up where they have to get in an end zone, they're scoring a wee goal, run round the goal, come back. It's, it's all very boring, really. If you need to explain here, but Murray would have been doing that day after day, and he probably thought, "Oh, not that again. Not that again. Not that again." Until in the end, he was just doing it in his sleep. Yeah. So when it came to a game, he was always then running behind the strikers and and doing it. So he's then doing it without even thinking. So I I, I find that's really a lot of coaching is getting players to do things um, that they wouldn't have done before and then do it as without even thinking. Um, so he's painting pictures for them a lot of the time and and uh, and, 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 and showing them things. Paul Hanlon was another one. Paul was in the reserves when I was here back in two thousand and seven. And um, we worked on Paul all the time with his left foot, um, wrapping passes in the barn here, wrapping passes into to small goals and hitting diagonals. And you know, every time I see Paul hit a diagonal in the first team, now, I think, well, I hope, I hope I had a little bit of, you know, I say in how he's been able to do that. And it was interesting. He was, he was out helping with the coaching last night with the under-18s. And uh, we, we were playing a, a switch-of-play possession job. And one of the players hit a big diagonal. And I said it was Hamlin-esque. And he just started snithering. <laughs> it makes me feel older and I see him standing on the side as well. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it, it's getting kids to do things that they wouldn't have been able to do before um, without even thinking. I think that's a big part of coaching.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Murray Akin. Um, he obviously had a big part to play in the uh, UEFA Youth League, which we will discuss any moment. In my role covering Hibernian FC home and away, I'm constantly online using my phone, laptop or tablet and I know the importance of staying safe online. That's why I use NordVPN. By using NordVPN, this protects me from hackers and gives me peace of mind whilst online. NordVPN also enables me to switch my virtual location. Thanks to our great partnership with NordVPN, you can get an exclusive discount plus four additional months for free by going to nordvpn.com forward slash highbees. There's a 30 day money back guarantee if NordVPN isn't for you stay safe online okay guys so the uefa youth league um obviously a huge success for for the football club it it really reinvigorated the the supporters. i would say as well i mean the support we had at easter road um was magnificent for you obviously you worked with that 2004 group of players i know some came in some will have left during their time period with the club, but with that group staying together for such a long period of time, how do you think that helped in this particular UEFA Youth League campaign? Yeah,
0: it helped a lot there. They were a great group of boys and they had a good team spirit about them. All the way from about I think it was under under 14, some of them were under 13s when I first had them. And, uh, you know, 12, 13 year old. And, and, and they were just a, a group that was really tied together and enjoyed each other's company. And and that really helped with the coaching side of things as well, because you knew that you were getting a tight group that enjoyed each other's company, that were fun to be around, that that just wanted to learn as well. The group did change a little bit over the years, with one or two players coming in, one or two players leaving. Um, and then in the latter years, we managed to get a couple in We Malik Zayed, with the help of Tom Smith, uh, Tom Smith getting him in from Hutchie Vale, and Kanae Omegawa came up from, from down south. Um, so so these these players really really helped us on our way but no they were just a, a, a good bunch of boys to be around and and had a a good mentality about them um, and so no it was it was pleasing to see them get the rewards that they they deserved over the years um you know at 14 15 16 we all had good games against celtic and Rangers, and we knew that we were we were close to being one of the the better teams uh, in Scotland um, but there's no way that I think that, that they go on and uh, do as well as what they did in the European competition.
1: Yeah, how how special was that group of players from an early age? Could you see, well, they could potentially win like the under 18s, or a number of these could potentially go on to to make their debuts for the first team, like Jacob Blaney, Oscar McIntyre, have for example.
0: Yeah, we, we saw that from an early age, and uh, and targeted dump and um, kept on at them because uh, we did see them with potential. Um, but so much happens with younger players now when they turn 17, 18, 19, and that step has been so hard for players, especially in Scotland, where we we should be producing more players at that age, in my opinion. Um, but now the, the likes of Joshua O'Connor and Mackenzie Weir when he was here and Jacob Blaney were playing under-18s football at under-15s. So, you know, they, they were fast-tracked. And they weren't just playing under-18s football, they were playing, scoring, competing at that age group. Um, so we did have high hopes for them, uh, even three or four years ago. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was all part of the plan to get them fast tracked as, as quickly as possible. Um, to answer your question, the year before uh, we won the league with the under-18s, I, I think we finished second or third, can't, I can't remember. But we, we competed very well. Um, with the group of players that we had that were first year under 18. So we knew that that last year, 18s, we were targeting going to win the league, which people will say, well, we shouldn't be winning leagues. They should be about development under 18s, yeah. but I'm not going to lie. We wanted to win the league and we wanted to get into Europe and give these boys a chance of playing in Europe. And that's what we did. Um, and I'm not going to hide away from that fact. And um, so we did. We, luckily we went on and won the league. Um, there was a lot more teams in Scotland that invested a lot more money in their academies and, and into their programs. Um, but we managed to get a good group of players together. Uh, and what we did with that is is pegged a, a few more on the back of it. The Ethan Laidlaw's, the Jacob McIntyre's, the Rudy Milotnikov's, uh, And, you know, they've seen the standards. And the boys below in that have seen the standards now. So that was part of the, the, the way that we wanted to, to do it as well. So when we, when we did win the league, which was, which was great, um, we, we had the European competition to look forward
1: to. That's really interesting what you said there, because a lot of people do say, don't they, for academies well it, it's not about results it's not about results it's about their overall development and getting them into the first team but on the flip side by winning the league and then providing them with european competition where they have to face different sides that are some are more technical some are more physical travel to different countries play in front of crowds arguably that's only developing them and, and benefiting them more right yeah it was it was something i actually learned at the scottish fa when i was with the youth national
0: teams um you know you they were talking about the you know, the, the ua for competition you know as, as, as a development of football but what i found was that if you if if you if you did things and you didn't win football matches then you didn't get to a second phase and then you wouldn't get to the euro finals so I thought that the best way of doing it was to try and win the games, get to the Euro finals, and give the players as much uh, big competition against better teams as you possibly could. So yeah, you might have played well, but you hadn't won the game. So that meant you were playing a Georgia or a Macedonia rather than a France or a Germany or a Holland. And then giving the players the opportunity through a lot of funding through for UEFA for, to go to UEFA finals. So uh, it was more so with the, with the girls in the 19s that, that I found that if you got them onto a program where we got them a lot fitter, we got them quicker, we got them stronger to compete with the Swedes, the Germans, then you could get further in European competition. And we were fortunate enough to get to the last date in Europe twice to the European competition. And it ends up now that some of those players are at Chelsea, one's at Real Madrid. And you know we, we were playing in the last date in Europe every year against Germany, against France, against Holland, against the best countries rather than the minnows where they're not going to get anything out of. So it, with Scotty Gemmel as well, as with the boys, we did it twice when we got to the semi-finals of the Euros back in 2014 and then a couple of years later. Um, and, and it was really enjoyable, not only from a coaching perspective where I learned a hell of a lot, but for the players, it was really learning. So I thought to myself, well, why shouldn't we be going to win the league with Hibs to get them into a European competition to give them a chance? So I, th- I kind of got it from, from that. You know, I thought, yeah, it is about development, but I, I'm not going to lie. We we set out to win the
1: league that year, and that, and that's what we did. How different were those games against FK Mulder and non from a from a coaching perspective? Because I'm sure those two sides in particular, you didn't really know too much about before the games, um, but also then for for the players as well from the the competition they were getting here, whether that be in the reserve league or in the under 18s. Yeah,
0: to, to answer your question, we knew everything about Molda. We knew everything about non. We knew the players' names, um, where they played, what position they played. We'd watched numerous videos on on them, um, so we knew every player. We knew what their team was going to be before they uh, about a week before. Um, we we knew everything about them. We'd done our homework, and people say, "Well, wow, that's just a development." But but that's the way we work. Um, we knew everything about them, how we were going to play, and really shake the boys up to go and give a good account of themselves. So, yeah, I think it's important that the players see that, that we've got that in-depth information, and then that gives them the thought, well, hang on a minute here, look at what they're doing. This yeah. this is for real. And so, you know, people might just think you're turning up in Norway to play a game of football. We've we'd, we'd done a hell of a lot of uh, 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 looking at these, uh, uh, of Molder, especially beforehand. So we knew everything about them, and we knew we knew what to expect. Uh and I think that was showing the the way that we competed against all three teams that we played
1: uh in the European competition yeah the the away games in particular were a completely different experience for the young players weren't they yeah and not, not only the uh, uh the games themselves
0: um but the travel you know getting there and I know you guys were, were on a couple of the trips and uh it, it, it's the travel it's the rest it's the the being in the hotel before games and in a way you know that that is all part of the development as well you know because hopefully hebs are playing in europe in the next few years and which these guys are part of so you know we want them to say well i've experienced that i know how, how to handle that situation and, and a big part of development is um showing them different situations and and, and and experiences in football to be able to take into a first team career um, career so, you know, we've done that with the young boys now, we've given them the European competition. We'd taken them away before that, you know, they'd been to France, we have been over to France, we have been to Portugal. Uh, we'd been over at the foil cop in, in Northern Ireland when they were younger. So, they'd, they'd done all the travel and, you know, they knew what it was like. Um, and this was just one step further, you know, with a, a big game at the end of it. Um, but. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of how they competed uh, against Mulder, home and away, not home and away in, in the, the Dortmund game, which was well publicised.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that Dortmund game then because uh, I think everyone's aware of the the funding, the stature of players that that they had during that game. We went toe-to-toe with them throughout, came so close to progressing through to the the next round as well. We spoke a lot about, Development of of young players, I suppose this game mentally, even though they got so far, obviously didn't quite get it over the line. That'll always be in the back of their minds, I suppose, won't it? Of oh, next time we need to go one further. I can't let that disappointment almost happen again. Yeah, and and again,
0: it comes down to those experience. So we've given that, given them that experience and um that uh reality of. Of, of being in that situation, so they might know how to handle it a, a little bit better or a little bit differently next time. Um, but, but, but the Dorman game was fantastic with the amount of uh, hip supporters that turned up to watch the game. Um, it puts a little bit of pressure on the boys, which is great. I think it's fantastic because we want them to play under pressure. Because, you know, if you're playing in front of uh, 20,000 fans or 50,000 fans, if it's if side it's box or, or park you've got to be able to handle it. So we feel as an academy that we've given those players that experience of playing in front of a big crowd when it's live on the television and they can only take something from that. If they can't handle that, then maybe football's not the the game for them going forward at that level. So uh, again, we've probably provided them with an experience from winning the league the year before that
1: they otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, and we spoke a lot um, about like your relationship and and building relationships with players to ultimately help them develop. We saw some really special moments um, against Non and against Dortmund um, with you and the players after the game, whether you had to put your arm around them or whether you were celebrating with them, throwing them up in the air. Um, Talk to us about how those relationships and bonds develop over the years, but also then how they actually help get the best out of a young player and get them to understand what you're trying to do
0: yeah i said it right at the start it's the person first and, and then it's the player so you know it, it's not just the, the players that we knew we know all the families the moms the dads sometimes the brothers and the sisters and, and now it's funny there's there's one or two of the partners that you know as well you know the girlfriends that that you say hello to and it it, it feels kind of strange but um it, it, it's getting to know that person first and then they trust you as a coach and, and if you know the parents as well, you're finding out everything that's going on at home, everything that's going on at school, and that's a massive part of it. And uh, what once you've got the the, the player on side, in in so many words, y- you can start to coach them, and they become coachable. Um, and but they they were so relaxed those boys that you they they, they allowed you to 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 coach them, and you know it became a a, a really trusted
1: group in the end. Yeah, just finally on the UEFA Youth League, we spoke about the differences in terms of challenging or challenges away trips. How beneficial do you think that competing in that European competition has been for for those guys in terms of the new experiences? So, playing in front of crowds, playing away in front of crowds abroad, um, playing against sides that are technically different, that are physically different players that have different languages or speak different languages how beneficial is that going to be as they look now to make that step up to the first team
0: yeah i think it's huge i, I really do um and, and it, it goes back to that, that <laughs> development one so if we hadn't won the 18s league that year then they wouldn't have had these experiences what people don't know is is a lot of those trips are funded by uefa and um, to go so we wouldn't have had those experiences if it wasn't for w- what we did that season and built for the, the three or four years before that um but you know they're, they're going to play dortmund for example and there's a lad by no Gittins that's at uh, dortmund that came on against chelsea in the, the real champions league the other week i mean he could have played against us so we, we were actually working out that he might have played against us a few weeks ago Um so they, they realize how close they are to the real thing then um, but it, the the experience that the, that we got over in molder was a disappointment because we lost, so we had to handle that defeat. And then the journey home was a little bit longer. But what the players knew then was that they can compete and we can go and beat them at home. so that reinvigorated them, that gave them the focus for the second leg at home. So it was that experience that we've lost, but we know we can beat them and then we've got to we, we've got as coaches and then got to guide them. what could we do a little bit differently? We've changed the shape from what we played over in um uh, in Norway. And we showed them ways that we could maybe beat them if they were at it, if our boys were at it. So, you know, it's it's all those learning environments that we put them into uh, that that they came out and, and, and delivered on. Um the non-one, yeah, we were written off before it even started because of the French internationals that they had in their team. They were bigger than us. They were feeling more physical than us. Uh, they were probably quicker than us. But we found a way. And that shows them that, yeah, listen, maybe... We're maybe not as good as them, but if if we're at it and we find a way to beat them, we can beat them, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, and other French didn't take it take it to it too kindly, but you know we found a way to go and beat them. You know playing in transition a lot of the time, but again, that's an all part of their their learning. Uh, and then against Dortmund, we were just you know really unlucky that we ran out of legs right at the end of the game. And yeah,
1: coming back from watching Hibs home or away and want dinner delivered to your doorstep, why not use Uber Eats? Whether you fancy a curry, a burger, a Chinese, or something a little bit different, Uber Eats has you covered. Following our partnership with Uber Eats, we've got a great deal for all Hibernian FC supporters. Use the code HIBSEATS10 for 10 pound off your first three orders on Uber Eats. And now obviously work continues to develop Young players for the first team. I wanted to change the focus a little bit onto the current crop of of under-18s. Supporters who've been keeping a keen eye on them or looking at the match reports on, on the website might have noticed that there's been an upturn of form of late. I'm keen to stress here the the age of the, the current group of under-18s too. Just give us an insight into into that the ages and and how they're developing yeah
0: without getting into it too deep to, to bore everybody you know yeah uh, we, uh, we, our under 18s group now is all players that are born 2005 and 2006 and then we go down and we play 2007s so we've got uh an under 18 player and under 17 player and an under 16 players the best under 16 players at the moment playing in our under 18s currently we have three under 16s players in that squad the majority are under 17, so this is their first year really at under-18s. Although Rudy and Jacob played quite a lot last year at under-18 level. So this is essentially their first year at, at under 18. So, you know, they're coming up against bigger, stronger, more physical boys at the beginning of the season. They begin to mature physically. Um, they, hopefully they, they get a little bit better tactically, but they just get the learning experiences of playing in the games. So there has been a, a little bit of upturn in results, but what I will say this year, going against the grain, what we did last year, was there's been a little bit more of an upturn in performances. But with football players and with kids in general, you'll be up and down like a roller coaster for the whole season. So there probably will be you know, results that we're going to have to learn from towards the end of the season. And the uh, there the will be results that we'll be happy with. And the prime example of that is that earlier on in the season, we went up to Aberdeen. I didn't think the boys had prepared properly, you know, there was nobody on the bus that uh, that was ready to play. I didn't think when we got up there, uh, the warm up wasn't great um, and we were 1-0 down after five minutes. So we ended up losing the game 4-0, um, to which they uh, they get the Gareth Evans hairdryer then, I think, after the after the game, is the best way to describe it. And yet we go to Aberdeen on Friday, everything's right, they're preparing properly, tactically they're aware. We go 1-0 up after four minutes, five minutes. And we end up winning the game 4-0. So the message after the game is, listen, this is what happens when you're not prepared and you're not ready and you're not focused. And this is what can happen when you are, you know, Yeah. which one do you want to take? Do you want to take this
1: one or do you want to take that one? It's up to you. It's not my choice, that's your choice. And And that's perfect though, from a coach's perspective, isn't it? Because then they can see the differences between the two. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, and and when, when you look at the Aberdeen that we did play, um, uh, you know they've they've got the likes of Liam Harvey, Alfie Bavage, Dylan uh, Luban that have all been on the bench for the first team in, in recent weeks, and then and then it's saying to these players, well, listen, this is what you're playing against. You're playing against players that are going on in the first team for a Premier League team. Do you think you can compete? Well, yeah, yeah, and hopefully that gives them the you know the uh, the impetus to want to go on and uh, and be the best that they can be.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned players playing up, so. Jacob and and Rudy last year. Um, Josh Landers is probably a a good example Um, in terms of that this year. How does that fast track a player's development?
0: Yeah, it's it's huge. The the likes of Josh Landers played last year in the under-18s as well as an under-15s player. Even He was was involved in the European competition coming on in in Norway Um, uh, against Mulder. And I think he came on in the home home tie against Mulder uh, later on. You know, for once a young, we're taking these boys out of school to come and play in these these games because, you know, they're not 16 yet. Um, and Dean Cleland's another one that's pushed on this year. Rory Whitaker is another one that, that's been involved in the the under-18 squads and, 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 and played quite a few games. So we, so we try and fast-track them and push them on as much as we can, but they've got to be able to handle it physically uh, and mentally to be able to play in these games.
1: Yeah, and the, stru- the, the club's obviously got a strong history in terms of developing... Young players through into the first team, whether that's a, a Paul Hanlon or a Josh Doig that that the club can sell on for for really good money. How much does that excite you? Almost being part of of that, of helping the club and the club's future, but also the young the young lads that you get bonds with, helping them forge a career.
0: Yeah, there's, there's nothing more special for me personally, and I, and I guess the rest of the academy staff as well is is seeing a young player. Come through the academy and make his first team debut. The hard bit is after you made that first team debut, is staying in the team and 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 getting regular game time with the first team. That's so so difficult. But no, it's it 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 really does mean a lot to me. And there was there was nothing more special than when uh, I think it was in the last game of last season when Jacob Blaney, Oscar McIntyre, Robbie Hamilton, and testing me now, Murray Aikin, Murray Aitken. All, yeah, all made their debuts and to see their families sitting in the stand you know probably makes me feel as proud as what they were feeling that day if i'm being honest um, so it's nice the whole family when you when you've seen them over the four or five years traveling around scotland um, wind rain snow sun a lot and then they eventually go on and you know pull a hip strip on and play easter road knowing how special it is myself Um, it, you know i know the feeling that they'd be getting when, when they go on the pitch and you know for me, it's a case then of just saying, yep, yeah, that's that job done, move on. Who's the next one? Who's gonna be the next one? And then, and and that's just the way development football
1: works, I guess. Yeah, absolutely is. And I think Gareth, that's a perfect way to, to end this podcast. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. It, it's been really, really insight, insightful on a, a youth development point. And thank you everyone for listening as well. Let us know in the comments below who you'd like on the next Inside Training Podcast.